Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Um, for those of you who are new who might have skipped season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we are a uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. recap and discussion podcast. And I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. Um, I totally understand a lot of people didn't really care for season one when it was first aired. Um, so if you're just here for season two and beyond, totally get it. But you should really go back and listen to our season one episodes because they're really great. We talk a lot about extra stuff outside of just the show. <laughs> um, so few things first before we get started. We are part of the But Why Though podcast community. Uh, check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website, butwhythopodcast.com. Tons of great content, not just podcasts, but um, writing pieces as well. Uh, they have tons of great writers, great podcasts on their network. We just had a couple more podcasts join too, um, which I'm really bad and I didn't write their names down, but it's a comics, like pop culture podcast and then um, a Star Wars podcast too. So um, lots of good stuff. We're super proud to be a part of their community. Absolutely. And if you're not caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it is still on Netflix through the end of the most current season, season five. So go do that because there's lots of good stuff to talk about in this episode. Um, we are starting season two today, which is crazy. I feel like there's so many episodes in these seasons. It, I was like, when we first started this, I was thinking like, this is going to take forever for us to get through all of these, but we pushed through. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and thanks to holidays and uh, giving a couple extra episodes a few times this year, like what was becoming a mighty lead like advanced time where we were like we're like eight episodes ahead now yeah. we're like we're two episodes ahead or whatever like so that's we'll catch up very quickly yeah. uh, with our recording schedule but it's just it's the whole thing is weird it feels like we went we went through this all very quickly yeah it's funny too because when we record ahead like i'll listen to the episode when it gets released on itunes and i'm like oh i totally forgot we talked about this <laughs> like it's like an it's like i'm listening to it all over again for the first time too it's kind of fun oh yeah no they're they're like man because of how we record it's probably only like maybe two weeks maybe a week in between yeah. where, where it didn't happen but i remember uh i went through like the exact same movies that you wouldn't expect her from comic books <laughs> like, yeah i went through the same list that i'd that i'd said before and just totally forgotten that i'd never mentioned it, <laughs> <laughs> it like, both times like i mentioned ghost world or whatever it's like I think I think because of the MCU connection, I, I'll always think of that because Scarlett. It was like Scarlett Johansson's first big role, uh, but no, I, I I so I definitely know what you mean about like when I'm editing them. Sometimes I'll be like, "Oh wait, I said that." I, I just <laughs> like, talked I, about I, that like last week or whatever. <laughs> or I can't believe I ever said that. Like that's bonkers. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. And of course, it always well, it's always a nice reminder uh, to to when I'm editing old episodes to include Rathman Watch. Which yes, we've had diligent uh, listeners who are keeping up with Rathman Watch and always encouraging <laughs> us as well. So that's good. 
I love how Rathman Watch is like fruitless because he never comes back. <laughs> we have two more seasons. One I don't think they're done filming yet, and one they that they, they will uh, haven't even started filming yet. So this is true. Always a chance. Rob Hubel needs work. I'm sure of it. <laughs> like he's a talented. He's a talented dude. But that's how you know comedic uh, writers work in this industry. Like they're just working from job to job. So let's give him a chance. Exactly. His YouTube show has not been renewed. Everybody watch that show. Oh, no. Watch become a <laughs> grassroots effort <laughs> to, uh, to help Rob Hubel's career. Hopefully Jed Whedon and Marissa Tantron, uh listen to the podcast at some point so they know that we want him back as a character because we are missing a like maniacal billionaire in the the That's current true. plot line and we need one. I, I feel like that would be, we, I think we should uh, encourage our listeners and our, 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 take it upon ourselves to encourage them on social media. That's like a nice, we're not being demanding or crazy. We're just saying, hey. <laughs> Why I'm Lord, Lord Rathman? What would I hurt you? <laughs> like, crooked businessman is always a good thing for these uh, these stories. Yep, exactly. All right, let's get into this. This is season two, episode one, titled Shadows, which I don't know if I fully understand why they named this episode. I, there's there's a line in the episode. Okay, I figured that you would you would have better insight. Well, they mentioned that that's where the people who they were hunting have gone, but they're still oh. around, but there are still Hydra uh, loyalists, but now they're, now they're in the shadows. I guess that's true. Okay. Or where we were last left off, like they were actively screwing, screwing with shields still, whereas at this yeah. point they just kind of disappeared. And I, okay. I can't remember who, I can't remember who said it, but I remember they were saying it to Coulson. Okay. Oh, that makes sense then. Cause I was like li- watching this and I was like, I don't, I don't understand. And then like there's I, a I point like at the very for- end of this, of the episode when they, um, when, when Coulson's having that monologue about like, Oh, we need to disappear or whatever. I was like, maybe that's relevant, but whatever. I think <laughs> maybe it's a double meaning. That, that, is, that is true. They talk about how they need to do it, you know, and be invisible and just do their jobs and then disappear. Like you say, yeah. and, and no longer, you know, use shield as a, some, as a, as a I don't know badge of authority or whatever instead just be you know super just, spies yeah like yeah okay but all right I, 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 I dig <laughs> that I, I like that because I was kind of doing what we've we've talked before about how some episode titles are weaker than others so I was kind of waiting and I think the, it was like two-thirds of the way through the episode when somebody mentioned Hydra retreating into the shadows and I was like oh there it is and it like and it and on some level as a viewer, that's not a great thing to wait no. for the either a titular line or a reason for it because then you're the, there's nothing wrong with having a title <laughs> like it's not a weakness. Um, but, but I, I do feel like oh I got gotcha you on some level, and then but I like your version as well. Like that, I, I think it works. It's less obvious, but it also makes a lot of sense. Yeah, is less obvious. Yeah, I'm glad that you caught that line though because I didn't catch that. Um... As usual, I'm trying to remember who said it. <laughs> it's probably it was probably um it, one of the the Billy Koenig because I feel like he had a lot of scenes Billy with Coulson or, or Mac Hartley maybe I don't I know. don't know well she wasn't with Coulson at that point I don't know I know all right so this episode was written by Jed Whedon and Marissa Tantron um directed by Vincent Missiano he's a, a veteran director um. I recognize that name. I I know. I don't. I stopped keeping track of who directed what episode because there's just too many now. But I know that he has directed something. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, this episode originally aired September 23rd, 2014. The scene is set in Austria in 1945. Um, we come across, there's like people running around. This is clearly a Hydra base of some sort. We see the Hydra um, symbol um, somewhere. <laughs> on the base and this nazi hydra dude uh who's wearing these like round glasses is speaking in a really bad german accent um and it's really funny because i remember the first time i saw this episode um michal one of our former guests on the show tweeted something about like oh here we go with the bad german accents again and like that always <laughs> stuck in my mind so now when i watched this i was like oh yeah there it is i remember her tweeting about that how many years ago <laughs> like <laughs> has been pointed out um uh, by uh, by Nikki that I have occasionally maybe ruined things <laughs> by by overanalyzing accents because <laughs> I can't help but think all the time like I, I I've I always noticed accents and like even like little differences like a lot of Americans I think we take we take it for granted European people playing Americans yes <laughs> and and like I don't know a lot of people who I know uh don't seem to distinguish or care to distinguish between like New Zealand and Australian accents, even though like to them, it's, I think quite apparent, Yeah, you know? And I think if you, if you really notice, it's not that hard yeah. to on a lot of that stuff, but it always cracks me up that like someone who's not necessarily like the greatest actor in the world. Like for example, in the movie, uh, meet Joe black, British actor, Claire Forlani, not the best actor in the world, <laughs> but she does an amazing American accent. Yeah. Like, she never sounds like she's not from a real place in America. Whereas, you know, uh, Anthony Hopkins plays her dad widely regarded and rightfully so as an amazing actor, but he sounds like he's from nowhere America. Every time he plays an American, yeah. like, like no one has the accent that Hannibal has. Like nobody talks like that. Yeah. Yeah. Fav, fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> Like he sounds like a crazy person. He sounds like a person making fun of an American accent, and we don't even notice it. Uh, that's hilarious. It's so true, but though. So, but he's just so good. You don't care. I know. <laughs> like, like and, and to me, I'm I'm always thinking like like oh man, that actor is just really good, and I don't even care. Yeah. Like if you think it's like half the time Robert De Niro is playing someone who's not supposed to be Robert De Niro, oh, and not, God, like, not yeah. supposed to sound like him, and you're like, he's great, and it's because he is great. But no, uh, Reed Diamond, not their level, but not a bad actor. Yeah. Like he, he, he sells Daniel, Daniel Whitehall, which is the name of our white haired Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. He sell he does sell him, but the, I'm, I'm glad that no, the, the accent drops at, at some point. So, um, no, he's basically, a, uh, for anyone who grew up watching reruns or is old enough to have watched it, he's, uh. Uh, Hogan's Heroes. He's Colonel oh. Clink. He's like a cartoon sitcom Nazi, like voice. Yeah. Which is probably how he learned it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. so silly but true. Yeah. It kind of took me out of the moment for sure. Cause I I had to go back and rewind and be like, wait, I totally miss like all this dialogues of this accent. But because <laughs> he, he does, he sounds a little bit cartoony and like exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. Boris and Natasha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were German <laughs> instead of instead of fake Russian. 
So Dr. Whitehall is talking about this obelisk, which we see is just this like hunk of metal that's like shaped very angularly and it's very mysterious looking. And um, we see a shot of these blackened corpses in the foreground of the shot. And uh, apparently they touch the obelisk, which is very, it's a little crazy. Um, And he also mentions that the Red Skull called this item the answer to death itself, which, hmm, very interesting. Um, Right after this, a couple of people that we're familiar with show up to shut that shit down. Oh, hey, it's uh, Peggy Carter and the Howling Commandos, which was super fun. Um, We were talking right before we started recording about how um, we totally forgot that they made a cameo in this episode. So it was really fun to see them come back. And it's all the original actors from uh, the first Avenger. So Haley Atwell, Neil McDonough, and Kenneth Choi in their respective roles. I always forget Kenneth's Choi, Kenneth Choi's uh, character's name. I believe he's Jim okay. Rita in this. If he's not in this, he is in Spider-Man, <laughs> uh, um, where he plays that Marita's grandson. Uh, yeah, no, it's Jim. His his nickname in the comics is the San Francisco oh, Kid. Oh God, because he's yes, <laughs> it's better when he's a grown man. Yeah, <laughs> and, and nobody yep. calls him that. But and yeah. then Neil McDonough is playing Dun Dun Dugan, and Haley Atwell is playing Peggy Carter, of course. Um, and they are working on behalf of SSR. Um, they basically take all these items that they found at this Hydra base and they are putting them in boxes and spray painting them with numbers and the SSR lettering. Um, and Peggy starts talking about how, um, they're just going to box all this up and hide it away because there's no one to do anything else with it, but they need an organization to study and protect these artifacts that they keep finding at these Hydra bases. So, hmm, interesting. The founder of S.H.I.E.L.D. talking about how they need to have a certain organization to do all the things that shield does i wonder if there's a show that might have started to do that that got canceled how sad (laughs) hey maybe disney play will bring it back there's always a chance i know i know um so anyway this is supposed to be the last hydra site that they uh that they found so um their their job is done (laughs) for this um meanwhile in in current day or i guess 2014 day uh in alexandria virginia (laughs) sky um is sleuthing down into a warehouse and oh her hair is different she has bangs now Hmm, must be a new season um and the rest of the team is watching surveillance uh of this deal that's going down with this former shield agent and um, the deal, one of the deal makers is Lucy Lawless, which is kind of cool. Um, apparently, uh, this has become common. These former S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are selling off intel or um, S.H.I.E.L.D. artifacts to the highest bidder, whether that's Hydra, the government, you know, uh, black market, who who cares? Like they are, you know, it kind of sucks. You'd think that S.H.I.E.L.D. agents would have more integrity, but I guess it's just a job, right? To some people. Um So this guy has a photo of a level 10 um, SSR box and the other guy that's with Lucy Lawless is like, look, you don't even have it. You just have a photo of it and we don't even know what's inside it. And I guess since it's the it is the only level 10 artifact that's been found, um, which is hmm, I wonder what that could be. Maybe the scene before this told us what's in there. (laughs) Uh, But this deal doesn't end up going down because uh, this man busts in and he is a 
overpowered individual. They try to start shooting him and the bullets just don't penetrate his skin. So he's a bulletproof man and he kills the guy that brought the intel and he takes the photos and runs and uh, Coulson's team shows up. Um, and it turns out that uh, Lucy Lawless and the other dude, who we will find out who they are in a second, are part of Coulson's team also. So they were doing an undercover op trying to get um, shield artifacts back at the playground, which is, if you forget, uh, from the last episode of season one. That's the new secret base of Furies, which there are many. And the other Koenig brother, Billy, is the one who was living there and welcomed them. <laughs> um, so there is a man watching the news as he works on a car. He's a mechanic. And this is the first time that we meet Mac, um, who is played by Henry Simmons. Uh, if you've listened to our other episodes, you know that he is a favorite of ours. So this is the first time we see him, which is very exciting. It's very nice. If we, we mentioned him, I think, more than anyone else who hadn't appeared yet. Like, he's definitely important to the show, but, like, we refer to him like he's, like, the most important person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we, we we love him. We really do. And so I, it's it's exciting. This is his first appearance. Um, and the rest of the team wanders into this, like, a, I don't know what to call it, a hangar room. Um, and they all scan their badges to get into the facility. And we discover that Lucy Lawless's character is named Isabel Hartley. And um, Nick Blood, who is the other guy that was at the, the deal, he is Lance Hunter. Um, and they were the two undercover agents from the warehouse. Um so Billy Koenig announces that uh, he wants uh, Agent May for debrief, and Coulson is actually on site to see uh, to see them, which uh, warrants groans from everyone else because they apparently haven't gotten much face to face time with Coulson. Um, it seems like he's keeping everyone at arm's length, and even Sky is like disappointed that she doesn't get a face to face with Coulson. So very interesting. Um, May walks into Coulson's office and she scolds him for not checking in. Um, and they have a very friendly, like banter, I don't know, dialogue going on, which is nice because if you remember at the end of season one, their relationship was still a little rocky and there's some trust issues that they seem to have mended. Um, and Coulson seems to have accepted that May is keeping an eye on him for signs of deterioration. So yay, mom and dad are back and better than ever. <laughs> um, and Coulson has been recruiting from former S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and apparently there aren't very many to choose from, which sucks. Um, and May Col shows Coulson the intel from the botched mission, and Coulson mentions that this is an 084, and it was the very first 084, and he knows of it from Fury's toolbox. Mm. The next scene is this armored truck that our bulletproof man gets into. And there is a very extensive computer system set up and he gets on a Skype call with this British dude who there's lots of, you know, talk, whatever. And he has him open a drawer where the, he finds this um, this bag of rare diamonds inside. And the guy on the Skype call mentions he thought you would find it pleasurable. And the bulletproof man apparently can mimic substances that he touches. And so he turns his hand into diamond. We will talk about him we, in the connections. We definitely will. Um, so back at the playground, um, May tells... So apparently... Hunter and Hartley and one other guy are mercenaries 
Well, Hartley isn't. She's actually S.H.I.E.L.D., but Hunter and the other guy that they're with are mercenaries. So she walks in and tells the mercenaries that Coulson wants to see them and they leave and Sky walks in and she mentions that she dropped off the bullets, the the mangled bullets that bounced off the bulletproof guy. Um, she checked them into the lab um, and May asks how the mood is in the lab and we get to see what she's asking. So it's Fitz. He's alive and awake and working on something and he's very frustrated. Simmons is there and she's frustrated with him. He's frustrated with her because she's being so helpful and understanding and it's just really hard to watch. He's very clearly had like a traumatic brain injury. He has issues recalling words and um it seems like he's somewhat still intact but he's just like there's something he's not quite there yet um and it's really sad and may comes in and she asks for an update and he's like having a hard time communicating to her like what he's looking he's looked at and all of a sudden the metal turns into like flesh and blood um and which makes sense because the uh bulletproof man is flesh and blood so i guess it would just turn into a part of him <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um anyway simmons mentions that they can sequence and match the blood to um any dna in the databases that they have <laughs> so we find out that the bulletproof man is carl creel um, someone who was on the shield index, but then was taken off because he was assumed deceased. Um, and that is because John Garrett is the one who took him off the index. So clearly um, John Garrett recruited him to Hydra. And so Creel has been working for Hydra this whole time, which means Hydra is trying to find all these artifacts. Um, so Sky is looking at this weird writing that Garrett started doing and then we saw Coulson start doing at the very end of season one. It's like these like lines and circles and um, Trip is there and he's talking about how creeped out he is by the Koenig brothers. It's just like, there's just so many of them, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Sky mentions that she's trying to interpret the script. She's like looking through all kinds of databases, she, databases and she's even reaching out to the rising tide to try to figure out what this is. No one's ever seen it before. And Coulson shows up and um, he asks Trip to leave so that him and Sky can talk. And she's like, wow, he's we're actually talking face to face. But he shows up to talk to her about um, her doing something that doesn't seem like she wants to do. And she's like, really, this is what it takes to get a face-to-face these days? And apparently she has to go talk to Ward, who is in this basement dungeon thing behind some kind of laser screen, and he's a prisoner of theirs. And he has a beard, which I know how you feel about beards, but in this case... I don't like it. <laughs> I, I didn't even. I didn't even register it. I hate him so much. <laughs> Facial hair on this be- man in particular is no good. He's beardless to me, <laughs> which is which is worse than dead, as as you know. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I'm so sorry that Billy, Billy, boyfriend of the pod, <laughs> shaved his mustache. Um, it was unruly, and it needed to go. <laughs> hey, he has a mighty mustache when he has, and he has one. Yeah, it'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> As, but uh, speaking on behalf of mustache aficionados everywhere, uh, we appreciate it we, uh, when it's around. So, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, Billy grows a disgusting handlebar mustache. <laughs> disgusting, in my opinion. Every winter he grows it, and uh, Jared is a big fan of of his handlebar mustache. It makes him look like a freaking gross 
like grungy biker dude. Like it's not untrue. <laughs> I I not gonna lie about it. I'm not gonna lie about it, but I appreciate good uh mustaches and beards, and especially I appreciate uh the so totally antiquated at this point, uh generator of the sideburn, Ambrose Burnside. <laughs> his his deal was like a big bushy beard where he shaved the neck and chin. So it was like a mustache connecting to like preposterously huge like wolverine sideburns essentially and look him up he was a civil war general he looks like a crazy person but that's also just one of my favorite like weird artifacts of the english language that we call them sideburns because a guy had crazy sideburns named burnside so eventually we just switched it around eventually we just we transposed the words for no reason and his it's just his name that's crazy i had no idea yeah, it's super weird. We're weird. They used to be called Burnsides. And now they're sideburns. <laughs> wow. Fun it's fact probably just some pompous of the day. It's probably some pompous white dude who just made made shit up and was happy doing so, <laughs> being like, Oh, they could call them that because they're on the side of your face. It's like, no, they don't they did not. <laughs> so. Very interesting. Wow. I'm gonna tell Billy that and he's gonna not care, but <laughs> 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 like, look what I learned today from Jared. <laughs> we'll just be. It just just makes people with facial hair ashamed to see a like, like the grossest looking Civil War general as the genesis of sideburns. So sad. Um. So anyway, we we get to see a bearded Ward, um, and Sky walks in, and he mentioned Ward mentions that he agreed to only talk to Sky um, to give intel a, a couple weeks ago, and he is elated that she's there. Um, that he's finally getting what he wants, and Sky is just stone faced, and she's asks him about Creel, and um, he's like, "I need to see a picture." So she shows a picture on his phone, and she looks down and she sees that he has scars on his wrists. Clearly, he was trying to slit his wrists, and Ward tries to garner sympathy with these tales of self harm. You know, oh, there was a button on my pants. If you if you fold up a piece of paper the right way it's really sharp um i started running into the wall he shows like bruises on his forehead and sky is just not moved by any of this she's like oh he should have run harder <laughs> oh yeah no it's super oh. gaslighting manipulative like it's so so abusive emotionally and messed up and he's the worst he is, and I'm so glad that she's just have nothing to do with it. So anyway, she she gives a hard line. She's like, look, I'm going to ask you questions. If you talk about anything other than what I'm asking, I'm leaving. And so he gives the intel that she needs, and then he actually gives a little bit more. He mentions that Hydra used to use um, shield frequencies to relay messages to each other within the, within the uh, agency. So that might be how they're contacting Creel. And so Sky starts you know he just keeps talking because of course he has her there he's going to keep talking to her and um just as he's about to mention like i have so much to tell you and she just literally puts a wall up between them so she can't hear him and he can't see her anymore and he his as that's happening i have so much to tell you about your father (laughs) which brings up a whole mystery that started from season one with reina um if you don't remember, there was a scene where she walked into this like dark alley and gave a photo to this man who was sitting in a chair who had very bloody hands. So Sky's father is a monster, <laughs> as far as we know. Um, and we'll mention him later in a later episode, I think. We'll talk about his comic connections. Yep. I, and we, we did in the, in the past, yeah. I believe, when we 
did some spoilery section coverage of Sky's character and her evolution, but we'll get more into it. And and uh, yep, he's a comic character, so that's yeah. something to look forward to. And I believe they kind of teased that mm-hmm. if, with promotion at the time. They're like, yes, the, the, yeah, they did. They, they promoted the mystery of Sky's parents, and and at one point revealed that her father, at least, was a pre-existing Marvel Comics character, mm-hmm. which made people thinking, what? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> before. I think I remember the popular kind of or a popular theory towards the end of season one as just the idea of a mystery surrounding it was becoming apparent. Uh, people speculating, could it be Coulson and May? Yeah. And <laughs> nope. Nope, it could not be. The one Chinese woman on the show, of course, has to be Sky's mom. Come on. <laughs> I think it was more their their, their parental roles yeah, and that. True. And it's... It, it's well-meaning, well-meaning white racism, <laughs> not hateful white racism. It's still bad, but it could be much worse. <laughs> that is true. Um, that's the least uh, item right now. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 they're bad. It's still bad. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not arguing. <laughs> I'm not arguing that. Oh God. Oh God. It's as we know from the Star Wars fandom. Every time there's a black character introduced, it is how are they related to Lando. And it's yep. been that way from the beginning. Yep. Like when they announced that Hugh Quarsh was going to be in episode one, people were like, oh, is he playing Lando's grandpa? It's like, screw you. Everybody, go to yep. hell. <laughs> like, like, more than one more. black family exists in Star Wars, just like more than one Chinese family exists in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Thank you. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, agree. Um, we we go back to the control room. I don't know what to call this, where everyone is watching this conversation with Sky and Ward, and we find out that Ward's intel was correct. Who knew? Oh, and Sky is not happy no, about. She's that. not <laughs> like she really didn't. Want she doesn't to want to believe anything she's he like, says. Damn yeah, it. Ugh, yeah. Oh, and we also find out that Hydra's network is vast, so they track these signals, and they find out it is a global network of Hydra. And oh wow, it's much bigger than they thought. Yeah, Shield was slowed down, but Hydra was not. They had hoped that Hydra was on like the ropes because they'd yeah. gone in the shadows, but nope, they're not. At not. All. So now we go to DC, and it's it's Brigadier General Talbot, by the way, because he mentions it in this episode. I know we were wondering that in a previous episode. I think people end up shortening it to yeah. General Talbot, but it's good to know his full yeah. rank. So Brigadier General respe- Talbot. Respectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even a fictional military. <laughs> so he's walking through this park with his family, and Trip walks by in a hoodie, and he bumps into him. And it's, you know, oh, it's a weird moment. Um, but we know that Colson's team is there. And all of a sudden his phone is ringing and his wife's like, answer your phone. He's like, that's not my phone. And then he realizes there is a phone in his pocket and he starts freaking out. And it's Colson who's calling him. He's trying to warn him that he's in danger and he doesn't believe him. He's like, screw you. I have people here to help me. You know, I, I, I want I'm going to take you in. And then he warns his wife and his son away. And then Creel shows up. But so does Agent May and Talbot's men show up. And so does Hunter. And so they take down Creel um, or they zap him with whatever, whatever zappy things those are. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. <laughs> Some kind of spy <laughs> government tech that takes down this powered individual. Um, and Hunter, who is dressed up as a soldier, is like, sir, we got to get you out of here. And so he takes him and puts him in a car with 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 Coulson's people. And so they take Talbot into custody. Um, and Talbot's men take down Creel and they take him into custody. So back at the playground, Talbot and Coulson are in the interrogation room and uh, they're they're talking and Talbot is not budging. Coulson is trying to appeal to him that, you know, we can help each other. And Talbot's like, now, and he's very, 
I don't indignant <laughs> about Colson belongs in a jail cell. But during this is all just a ruse to get Colson or to get Talbot's fingerprints and his voice recognition. I don't know what to call that. Voice signatures. And so as the, biometrics. there we go. It'll cover everything. Yeah, biometrics. <laughs> and um, as Koenig is getting all this information, Fitz is watching from um, the doorway and he's feeling really left out because that should be his job. Um, and he, he's kind of venting to Gemma. He's very jealous and he's hurt, um, but he's trying to get better. And uh, it's just still very sad and hard to see Fitz like this. So anyway, Coulson is still talking to Talbot. He mentions that Talbot in all of his press releases say, oh, we have all this shield tech, you know, in this containment center and blah, blah, blah. And Talbot essentially led Creel to the cell that's right within reach of the shield containment facility, which is exactly what Creel wants. And he's like, let me help you. And Talbot's like, no. And so Coulson ices Talbot and Talbot wakes up in a car in his underwear and he gets on his phone and immediately starts yelling out commands and he yells out his passcode. I don't know what to call that. Call sign, passcode, whatever. Into this, Something like that. Into his phone. I don't know what the military term for it is, but he, he yells it into this phone and Koenig is the one who's on the other line. He's like, yes, yeah, sir. And he's taking down the password. Um, and it's just funny because Talbot is just all bluster and he's not not that bright and he's just a really funny and entertaining character at this point <laughs> um and so anyway they're planning to infiltrate the base where creel is to get this 084 and so may is telling everyone what the mission is and everyone is going so all of their operatives are going and the mercenaries don't agree with this plan they're like look these people the military have been looking for us and we're going to just walk right into a heavily armed base with everyone that we have we don't really have a lot of people. This doesn't seem smart. Coulson walks in and he's like, look, we need to get this 084 and we don't just need to get that. We need to get other stuff that is like from S.H.I.E.L.D. out of this base. <laughs> like we need uh, resources. Um, and so Trip walks uh, walks walks in in uniform because he's clearly going undercover and he looks really good <laughs> and he knows it. <laughs> And I'm just so glad he's a part of this this cast now because he's he's just so great. No, and and he totally flirts hard with with uh, Sky, and her only response is to like, it's good because it's not like hee hee hee, but it's also just like she just like chuckles like because she can't yeah she can't help but uh, appreciate that he is a good looking dude and he's owning it. Yes, like, yes, he is. <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice moment in the middle of like a lot of stress. Yeah, this episode. He he and her get to have fun and, he's, and be like 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 playfully friendly flirty and it's no it's really nice. It is. And he's just like it's very clear like from the early um the earlier scene where they're like uh, just chatting that they've become really close too. Um so it's really nice to see like that something is still kind of normal like they're they're able to have these like friendships and relationships despite this like really horrible situation. Yeah. In the off time, we know that they became friends because we saw from the from the very beginning of him appearing like that he had an attachment to Simmons, but the only other person who really had any interaction with them like close, I feel like that at the end of that season was really, you know, him bumping up against Colson and Colson like being respectful and then like kind of figuring out where they were, like where loyalties mm-hmm. were and whatnot. And then sadly, you know, pre-injury, 
uh, you, you know, Fitz was jealous of how close he was becoming. Yeah, Simmons. but then it seemed like they started to get along too, like right before all the shit went down. So that's really yeah. sad. Oh, true. And, and but it's nice that he's like he does have like this relationship now with Sky, where like they do seem like they're like they like they're they're friends and they like each other and enjoy each other's mm-hmm. company and like. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's really great to see. Great to see that already, and uh, it's also just part of the vibe of the, I think of the show. That it feels like the cast actually seems to get along, which always I think means yeah. a lot. When they don't, you can yep. feel it. You can feel like you notice that characters that, that the Rock and Vin Diesel never share screen time. <laughs> <laughs> you notice stuff like that, like oh, weird. Like, 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 but no, that's it's cool when it's when they actually do seem like. The char- like the characters are supposed to be a family when it feel when you get that vibe that uh it's uh, I don't yeah. know it's easier it's easier it's fun <laughs> to watch and you can feel like the warmth in the scenes and it's nice mm-hmm. that was I a really, really good like scene um he He's is super so likable he <laughs> I love his character so much I don't think they've ever introduced him in the comics I have to look that up they have a lot of characters they created for the show but if they haven't they really and it's another one they need to introduce. TV show Mac and they introduced yep. they need to introduce Absolutely. Triplet as well. Um so the next scene is Creel's cell, which is this like plexiglass box thing um that people are standing guard and all of a sudden these guards are chatting and they look and Creel seems to have disappeared. Um when really he's just mimicking the material of the plexiglass box and it looks like he's not there. And so the guards open the door like idiots and of course Creel steps forward and we see him about to punch and then the scene cuts <laughs> so we know that he's going to escape um at the guard gate to this base um trip is dressed up as general somebody and uh the other mercenary i believe his name is idaho is driving and sky and hunter are in the next suv and they're trying to maneuver their way in and they're doing all this fancy spy stuff to infiltrate and um they call the guard gate and they use Talbot's voice biometrics to <laughs> get them in. And Coulson is the one doing this impression of Talbot and Koenig is sitting there like, you need to make it more, more like more outrageous. And so he has this line of dialogue <laughs> where he's like, you're going to be swimming so deep in horse shit. You're going to need a snorkel. <laughs> the combination of his delivery and those lines, it reminded me so much. I feel like it might be a a shout out to a scene in a classic episode of The Simpsons. Oh my where, god! Where Sideshow Bob is pretending to be a general, and he's saying stuff like <laughs> he, he like he noted things the general said, and then said some of them verbatim, but also just like expanded on them when yelling at a private, like pretending <laughs> to be him from behind closed doors. He said, "I'll tear you up like a Kleenex at a." And he like had to pause, and it's Kelsey Grammer playing this guy, and he like he, he like shudders <laughs> to himself because he's so proper. He goes, "Snot party." He's like he's so <laughs> grossed out by the metaphor that he just said, but uh, it sort of reminded me of that. And oh man, I love it when uh, when Clark Gregg gets to do comedy. I know, I do too. It, this is like I think this is the second time that we've had a situation where the team is pretending to be other people that you know either other team members or other characters that are on the show yes. and this so is like one of my favorite they were on the train <laughs> yeah well on the train right? and then also when um colson and may are pretending to be fitz and simmons 
at the <laughs> oh, I forgot Senate. about that one. Yeah, yeah. And they're even in like cosplay as yep. them. Like they're wearing glasses. I think and, this yeah. is becoming my favorite bit on the show when they do stuff like this because it's just so good. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so the team gets into this warehouse and they are looking for what Hartley says is a needle in a haystack. It is filled with shield tech. And so they have to try to find this 084. Um, Hartley ends up finding it. And she opens it, and it is the obelisk, as we suspected. And Creel shows up, and Hartley for a second tries to negotiate with him. And then she grabs the obelisk with her hand, and her hand starts, like, dying. That's really the only way I know how to describe it. It starts turning black and, like, withering away. Like, we saw those men at the first scene um, in Austria from 1945. Creel sees this, and he's like, fuck that, and he runs. The rest of the team shows up, and um, they're on comms with Coulson, like, what should we do? Like, Hartley needs medical evac. Do we do we complete the mission? Do we go dark? And he's like, complete the mission. Um, Hunter's like, fuck that. So he takes Hartley in Idaho, and they run for the SUV, and they book it out of there. Um, and while they're in the SUV, Hartley asks Hunter to cut her hand off because he's like, she's like, I can tell that it's killing me and I don't want to die. Just cut it off. And so he takes out a knife and starts cutting. Oh, got dark real quick. Um, meanwhile, May, Sky, and Trip are running off to find whatever else they came for because they're there for something else, which is yet to be revealed to us. Um, and it turns out that they're there for a Quinjet with cloaking capability. And Coulson is having this monologue with Mac and Koenig about how they need resources and tech and basically how he's losing faith in Fitz. Like Fitz has been working probably this whole episode. He's been talking about how he's working on the cloaking, but he's just not quite there yet. And we find out that Simmons left and Fitz hasn't been the same since she left. So she hasn't been here this whole time. So who has Fitz been talking to? <sighs> Himself. This is like so sad. And then we see a scene where Fitz is in the lab talking to, you know, what we would have thought was Simmons in an earlier scene. But it's just him talking to himself. And it's like so sad. So, so sad. I totally, I, I had totally forgotten that Simmons left. No, me too. I thought that happened in a later episode. No, me too. And like when it, even when the scene was first happening before they went, showed him, because, because I was like trying to think of all the characters who'd appeared and other things. Yeah. Uh, because I was kind of not giving my entire focus. I think it took me a second longer than it did the original viewing to, to put two and two together where I'm like, Oh, she just left. <laughs> like they, I was like, she just left. Oh. <laughs> and then they showed him no, talking she... to himself. I'm like, oh God. Like, oh man, I forgot. Like I should have been paying more attention. Like, oh man. Uh, like it's so sucks. heartbreaking. Oh no, it sucks so bad. Like I was like, did they no, and then like I was processing it even before they showed uh him talking to himself literally. I was processing it. I was thinking, like, was there wasn't a time jump? Because then yeah. there's a, another scene that proves there's not a time jump because something happens with uh, with Hartley. Yeah, yeah. So right after this, we don't even get a chance to recover from how sad this is because Creel, he's <laughs> so, so sad. Creel pops up right in front of the the SUV that Hunter, Idaho, and Hartley are in, and he crash. He, they crash into him. He turns into asphalt or whatever, and um, flips the SUV, and everyone's dead except for Hunter. Like Hartley's dead, yeah. Idaho's dead. He's a so- solo act now. Oh, and then um, and they just saved her from the, fu- it right, be- right before yeah. that. Idaho cut off her arm and, and stopped. 
stop the bleeding and cut off like the spread of the necrosis or like like, the spread of death or whatever was happening. Creel's walking up to the SUV, the crash SUV, and her hand is still attached to the obelisk separate from her body. And so so Creel, like, I don't understand why, how this works, but he makes his hand into the rubber of the tire and then he picks up the obelisk. I'm like, but it's still touching your skin technically. So I don't understand how that works. Whatever. (laughs) Um, Anyway, he takes the obelisk and leaves and Hunter is just... Hunter's just watching him walk away with his two dead friends next to him. And it's there's this moment where he's like, what the fuck? And then the scene just ends with him sitting there watching everything happen. Um, and the very end scene is that same British dude that we saw on Creel's Skype call is talking to Dr. Whitehall, who doesn't look like he's aged very much, even though it's like how many years later? 70 something yeah. years later and, and and i believe he's referred to in the first thing as uh reinhardt oh and and, and, and this time so so i i i didn't really mess up a reveal because we'd never heard of whitehall until this episode i don't think no. but i just i i i think it's because i was thinking in comic terms and in the comics he i don't think is reinhardt because he is a nazi and a founding member of hydra maybe or something yeah but he's uh but he's not German. He's uh he's British. He's British in the comics. At at this point he's dropped the accent. He's speaking in an American accent. Thank God. <laughs> um but yeah. Yeah, I would like to believe that Reinhardt was a cover. He was the- actually an American dude this whole time. <laughs> You're more British like in the in the comics either way. Either way, it's a yeah. fake accent and that's it's so much better if that's the case. I just like your point that always in those things that they speak uh in Ameri- they speak English with with the accents instead of the language they're supposed to be speaking. Yeah, like why weren't they just speaking German? Like so, so weird. But it's like that in to everything. Each other? <laughs> oh, like, so like there are totally scenes like that in you know movies and other MCU things where it's backwards. You know where yeah. they should shouldn't be speaking English at all. On yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, why are they always speaking English? Yeah, and then the alien answers them back in their alien language. They do that in Star Wars too. Like it's so weird. Like why doesn't Chewie speak Basic? It'd like be awesome if, if he they're did. talking to him in Basic. Like I really wish. He whatever. Would. Well, I, <laughs> I know. I w- I'm pretty sure I've done this before with Triplet. They have not ever introduced him into anything, but we know that his grandfather was in the Howling Commandos. So just yes. we can introduce him already. There's so many characters. I know. Like, there's so many characters that, that he could be related to. So yeah, so that was the first episode of season two, and it was a very fast start to the season. Um, this is kind of reminiscent of the pilot from season one. It was just like a lot of information, lots of people being introduced, um, and very well, actually. Like we kind of get everyone's shtick. Like we we learn that Hunter is just in it for the money, like Hartley is kind of a hard ass, but she's loyal. She's loyal know, to Shield, but she was happy. It seemed like she was happy working with Idaho and Hunter before yeah. she was recruited by Coulson. So while she, yeah. she's she's not like questioning working with them, she's totally loyal and a badass Shield agent. She does yeah. seem like she's got like this kind of like Han Solo kind of spirit mm-hmm. because she was like, oh, I was a mercenary for for a few months before I yeah, fell back into like, the fold, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And she kind of gets the game. Like she gets both sides, which I'm really sad because this was totally a waste of Lucy Lawless and this character – and should we just get into the character stuff now since you kind of got yeah. done with it? With it. Uh, Lucy yeah. Lawless plays a character who's only got, I think, one appearance in the comics. 
Um, oh, yeah, her, I didn't even realize that was a comic character. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think in the comics she's just Isabel, and she has one appearance, and she's Victoria Hand's girlfriend. Oh, and she gets, and when Victoria Hand takes the position as uh, uh, work working for the, the job she did, uh, she was transferred to Portland, Oregon, and they never talked to each other again. She was really upset that she took the job with, uh, I think, Norman Osborn. Interesting. And, well, because he was the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was still doing good working under him, but she wasn't cool with it. And what's super interesting about that, I think, and that's it, the character of Isabel with her one appearance is created by uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, he didn't create it. Uh, Riri Williams and the current star of everybody's world, uh, Miles Morales, who's awesome, Yay. and uh, and Mike Diodato Jr. in an issue of Dark Avengers number eleven. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a comic book. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, in January of <laughs> 2010, and they were going to ha- include it that they were basing her off of Isabel and that she's Victoria's girlfriend. But given how both of them die, yeah. <laughs> they were like, we don't want, like, literally, uh, Marissa in an interview with Entertainment Weekly after this episode came out said that she didn't want to be known as the show that introduces LGBTQ characters and kills them. And then kills them. Yeah. Good, good yeah. plan. But it's still, I mean, like, both of those actors. Because you want to include them. I know. But yeah. <laughs> And yeah, Saffron Burroughs is good, and Lucy Lawless is Lucy Lawless on a freaking superhero show. Use that. And she does make a one later appearance, and in, in, in this flashback appearance, she talks to Victoria and refers to her as Vic, and they, they <gasps> meant that to be a, a signifier, so it works for fans if they know, and if it doesn't, then they don't have to know. Uh, that, I have such mixed feelings about that. No, and it's it's nice because it is like it's not the focus of who they are. It's just an aspect of who they are, and they've introduced other characters since then. But it's also like who on the main cast is queer, you know? Like it'd be cooler if there was somebody. Well, and also I just feel like that's kind of like I mean, if you know about their relationship from comics, like that's still coding. It's not, it's not actual oh, yeah, no. representative of like a a queer relationship and it's i don't know that no, it's absolutely not and i think that they're not trying to take credit for it they're more just trying to give a shout out to fans but it'd be nicer if they just did it <laughs> like, but then like you Karen. said like marissa didn't want to be the show that killed off you know a lesbian couple yeah which i pretty appreciate but then just like how about make a character you know whatever uh, make 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 it make triplet uh bye. <laughs> you know, he, he likes Gemma. Why don't I have him like a dude? He could like Gemma her. and Fitz. <laughs> like that would be such a great pot element. Bring him back now through magic. The magic woohoo of of the uh, of the portal from uh from I almost called him Ghostbuster, uh, Ghost Rider, and uh, and uh, what is it? The framework and everything. Like we, we thought they might almost save him. Bring him back at the last minute. Oh, he's been hi- in hiding this whole time. And oh, that's the problem. He's in love with both Fitz and Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the great... If they solve all the problems with Fitz and Simmons, that's their next iteration of a road bump for them, where they're, where they're just like... They're trying, uh, they're trying to navigate this like this relationship with this, I this man. I can just imagine, too, Gemma just being like, I'm okay with this, and <laughs> just being like... I am uncomfortable at being okay with this. But <laughs> like, I'm also kind of okay with it. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. That would be pretty great. Um, so I, 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 and I appreciate the decision she made and uh, 
and that she owned up to it like immediately. Yeah, that's like, true. We could have done this and we didn't. And here's why. And I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. And then uh, let's see other characters that appeared like just in this episode because there's a few that we'll cover later on. But um, yeah, in Tales of Suspense, um, 75, a obscured picture first appears. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and two issues later in... May of 1966, we uh, see Margaret Peggy Carter, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, uh, after in, in like a, a fake story <laughs> during World War II, uh, which was explaining how Captain America wasn't ever the super paranoid anti-communist like red scare character he was. Like they ended up retconning all this stuff because originally Bucky never. Uh, died, or they never, then they never thought he died, uh, and Captain America got frozen. Originally, Captain America just kept operating through the fifties with different writers, and they were uh, racist and xenophobic wow. and afraid of communists because I mean, most of America was yeah. afraid of communists, and superhero comics were still being produced and weren't being attacked by like <laughs> McCarthy, then uh, then they had to like be anti-communist. So. Uh, but like they immediately disavowed that stuff. Like they they were like, no, that's not us. Like screw that. So they were like, oh, those were all wow. other guys who pretended to be Captain America. Cap was frozen the whole time. And in those stories and tales of suspense, where they explain what really happened, uh, they introduced Peggy Carter, who is uh, was for a while kind of Captain America, the love of Captain America's life, and uh, is Agent Thirteen uh, of Shield, one of the founding members of Shield was codenamed Mademoiselle as a, in the French underground in uh, World War II and was a spy from Richmond, Virginia in the comics and was a total badass. And she's a British spy in the movies, but mm-hmm. it works just as well. Uh, and she's done really, really well uh, by Haley Atwell. And we love her in the movies and the show. And I still want Disney Play to bring back her show. Me too. I hope they do. Uh, and it's such a cool... I, so this... Do you know if this aired before Agent Carter's show started? I can look that up real quick, actually. Yeah, I'm not sure. While you do that, I'll mention one of the characters who appeared. I think I think the guest appearance on Agent Carter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Neil McDonough as Aloysius or Timothy Aloysius Dum Dum Dugan. <laughs> Aloysius, really? <laughs> yeah, sometimes he goes, yeah, Timothy Aloysius uh codwall codwallander uh, <laughs> yeah that's not a good name yes so the release of agent carter was january 2015 so this is a couple of months before that so this is like a nice like like preview for yeah him. yeah cool uh he was also created by stan and jack uh, the creators of uh peggy and a lot of great characters in the marvel universe and he appeared a few years earlier in Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos in May of 1963 before they brought Cap back when they were establishing uh, Nick Fury before S.H.I.E.L.D. when they were introducing him and Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. And, of course, we know uh, Neil McDonough's version from the movies as well. Mm-hmm. And pretty sure he plays like Damien Dark, I think, on the DCU uh, TV show. So he's got a couple of... Oh. He's uh, a superhero. He's one of those actors that needs to add to our list. <laughs> he's not like in the four of them yet. I don't oh. think some someday, 
someday. I trust that he will be. They all will be. It's crazy how many, it's crazy how now it's just like every actor has played in a superhero show or a movie. But it's, it's like what used to be law and order is now superheroes. Yeah. It's great. And uh, yeah, Jim Marita and his grandson, Principal Marita, first name unnamed. Uh, Jim Marita was created by Roy Thomas and Dick Ayers, who've uh, appeared before on our list of people who've created, I believe they also created Billy Koenig, uh, or not Billy, but Eric Koenig, mm-hmm. uh, his Nazi grandfather. Uh, uh Former Nazi, sorry. Uh, so in Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, number 38, in January 1967. And Roy Thomas, uh, while also being an old white dude who co-created, I think, uh, I know Ghost Rider, I think co-created um, Iron Fist, I think. Oh. Uh, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, well, he's one of the guys, too, who said really stupid uh, stuff, like because he's a really old, jerky white dude. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me proud because he grew up in uh, Jackson, Missouri, and he went to high school with a guy named uh, Gary Brains Fredericks, uh, who also co-created Ghost Rider with him. And uh, Brains was friends with my dad. Oh, crazy. My dad grew up uh, in Jackson. Roy was a few years older than him. Roy has a distinction in addition to being an old racist white dude, which is less impressive and super common. He uh, also was like, I think... He's editor in chief at Marvel and at DC, like about the same time. But like, I think he's the only person who's ever done that. Crazy, just crazy. Yeah, and like, he's created tons of characters at both companies, and he's super obsessed with continuity and old characters, and brought back all these characters from World War II when he grew up uh, that would have otherwise, I think, kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of like a comics historian, and he did good things for comics. And and, uh, because he co-wrote everything with his wife Dan, uh, which is uh, what she goes by but uh her name is danielle uh thomas uh because uh they they co-wrote so much stuff together like she was one of the first like really prolific superhero comic writers uh who was a woman when i was growing up like i wrote tons of comics that she wrote and i wouldn't have uh if she hadn't gotten the exposure i think through the connection with him which is sad because of sexism but it's also kind of i'm glad that because she she created like some of the first gay characters that I ever read about at DC and uh, she was pretty progressive, I think. Nice. Um, even though he's not. Yeah. yeah. Interesting <laughs> but how yeah, that happens most, sometimes. It makes, me proud. it makes me proud of my dad because like we had a conversation about something stupid he said about the Iron Fist casting and my, my dad who like, while Roy Thomas was writing comic books, my dad was living in Japan, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and my dad's like, no, like that's, stupid he's a stupid old racist white dude like (laughs) i'm proud of you because like three years difference in school i don't think is what did it i think you're just a better person yeah (laughs) so that's i'm coming out hard against roy thomas but hey he wrote a lot of comic books i like and made up a lot of characters i like he's just an idiot yep (laughs) but that that happens and uh lance i think i'll save lance for a later episode because we get more into nick blood's character and uh, they mention his wife briefly, who's super important, which we'll get to mm-hmm. when we get to her. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, we will get to in the future, uh, uh, Sky as his father, which I've mentioned in past spoiler sections. So I guess the bad guys are the only characters left worth mentioning. Yeah. So we got Crusher Creel is a super important character in the comics. Car- Carl Crusher Creel. Yeah. He is... A character who first appeared in Daredevil number one, 
is a boxer uh, referred to as Rocky Davis. They mention that in the show too, like that's his background is he's a boxer. So they kept that, con- they kept that continuity, which is cool. <laughs> well, and it's, it, it's a uh, barely before really, it's like a year before he gets totally changed. It's, it's, it's weird. They, re- it's a really early retcon because he's referred to as Rocky Davis in Daredevil num- number one in April, mm-hmm. 1964. But then eventually, the next time they tell the story, it, it was Crusher Creel. And oh. they liked that name because <laughs> yeah. they just did that all the time back then. Stan and Jack used to reuse names all the time. And I don't think he was meant to be the same person originally. But in a Thor comic, in Journey into Mystery 114, he becomes the Absorbing Man. He was arrested. Loki gave him a magic wrecking ball that gave him those powers. Huh. In this show, they refer to him <laughs> having been experimented on. That never happens in the comics. He just has a crazy, awesome, wicked power, but never goes away. That effectively makes this dude immortal and one of the most powerful beings like ever. Uh, because Loki was like, oh, "Screw Thor today." <laughs> wow, that wrecking ball seems cool. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. He's recently been uh, in a really great arc about a space prison where Black Bolt, uh, King of the Inhumans, is sentenced uh, to uh, for, for crimes that he's sort of responsible for. It's a crazy space prison, and so is, is the Absorbing Man, it's Crusher Creel. And it was written by Saladin Ahmed, who's just taken over the Miles Morales comic, the Spider- mm-hmm. Spider-Man comic. And I highly recommend it. It's really beautifully done. I think the artist's name is Christian Ward, which always makes me think, isn't that Ward's brother's name? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It is. <laughs> it always confuses me for a second because I'm like, that's not possible. Like a fake character didn't. Uh, he's really good. And I, I highly recommend that comic. And he's just appearing in a current comic by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett, who's really a really great art, uh, artist as well, um, called The Immortal Hulk. Uh, and it's like a horror comic. It's really good. But he's, he just helped bring Hulk into hell. That's a slight spoiler for the comics. And he, it's gruesome. Like he was ripped into pieces. I'm going to send you a picture of it and it's gross. I <laughs> might post it to the account. I might not. <laughs> like, oh no. Like, it's intense. And then the other character is Daniel Whitehall, who is created by um, Jonathan Hickman for uh, his comic book Secret Warriors, which also introduced a bunch of stuff, like future characters we'll get on the show, like Yo-Yo. Mm-hmm. He was created by John Hickman with Brian Michael Bendis and Stefano Caselli. And he was a British agent who, in, in, after World War II, along with John Garrett and a bunch of other people, including Baron Strucker, mm. uh, Dum Dum Dugan, Nick Fury, Nick's, I think, son? And a bunch of other ra- random characters, including uh, Leonardo da Vinci, <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> to become the first, yeah, to become the first great wheel of Zodiac, which eventually like becomes uh, bad guys and whatnot. But all these different spies had their hands in it, and he was one of them. And he also becomes part of the High Council of Hydra, and he has the code name or alias of mm. Kraken. And has a crazy armor. Where he's got like horns on his helmet and <laughs> looks kind of cool, I guess. Uh, yeah, and I think eventually he died and is replaced by some other oh, dude in an sounds armor. Sounds about right. <laughs> sounds on par for co- weird comic shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he's a British white World War II era T 
terrorist who I think does live into the modern era. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, other than the Hydra connection and whatnot, he's vastly different. Just has the same name. Yeah. They're like, what, what name yeah, can we vastly use? different. So Reinhardt became, Werner Reinhardt became Werner Reinhardt still, but Daniel Whitehall, which <laughs> whatever, that's cool. Uh, I'm fine with that. It's weird too. I think the absorbing man to backtrack slightly. I think they sort of use him in a way like they make the Hulk's dad absorbing man at the end of okay the first Hulk movie, <laughs> and he's not Crusher Creel, yeah. but like he absorbs everything. And I just again, I highly recommend that movie. <laughs> it's weird as hell, but no, I still really haven't good. seen it. Uh, yeah, people should watch that. All right, spoiler section time. Spoilers for Crusher Creel. And Whitehall, I don't remember what happens to Whitehall on the show. I remember like Creel we see again and eventually we see him again in flash forwards and he's used by everybody in the most recent season. He's used by the crazy bad guys who are trying to make their kid or Daisy into a world destroyer so they can fight bad guy aliens, but they're actually going to destroy the planet and they're going to use Creel to do it. And eventually our buddy... um, Adrian Pazdar absorbs yeah. him into the Gravitonium and it breaks our, our best friend Max up, up, apart. Like Matt can't handle that because he, uh, he ends up forgiving Creel because he realizes he was experimented on and that he was used over and over again as a tool and a weapon and never had a chance to be a man. And like he forgives him for, for killing Hartley uh, and it's like a big moment for him. So when he watches him die on video, it really hurts. Well, also, didn't I remember Creel like um, having contact with the Gravitonium and he could hear voices and he was like kind of going yeah. crazy, too. I think he heard all the people who he were absorbed, who, who, yeah. who had been absorbed. Yeah. 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 Oh, man, that makes me think another weird recommendation. Um, Adrian Pazdar, one of the first shows he was on. Is, did you ever see the show Profit? No. He would have been on when you were like in junior high, maybe. <laughs> it was uh it was on Fox, I think, for a season. And he played a super, super rich guy who grew up like poor, but not dirt poor, but was raised by an abusive father and he was raised in a cardboard box. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And he became super rich and like the guy who like fired his dad, who like caused all his dad's problems or something, like was like the head of this company and he was like the vice president of the company of this guy who he had like made into like the boogeyman supervillain of his life. Oh my God. And he still lived in a cardboard box. He had this giant mansion, but he lived in a cardboard box in the middle of it. Like it was super crazy. But that's the first thing I think that he ever did that was big. And I remember that and everybody should watch it. <laughs> Profit, profit, okay. like like making money. Okay, pro- I was thinking it was like <laughs> like the other profit, Piero. Well, and I think I think the best part is about a guy who was like a crazy, uh, super good businessman, but also super crazy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure his name. I'm pretty sure his surname was Profit. Oh I God. That's <laughs> uh, fantastic. American television is stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah, 1996. Final episode date, 2002. I'm pretty sure that's DVD release. Wow. <laughs> yeah, 96, I wasn't even in junior high yet. <laughs> it's amazing. There's only eight episodes. That's so great. And they only aired the first four. I mean, the rest came out later, when it, like on cable or whatever. That's so great. So how did you feel like <laughs> that 
Yes, his name was Jim oh, Profit. Oh Sorry. My God. That's, I'm so I'm so pleased <laughs> slash disgusted. Wow. All right. I, yes. I don't even remember what I was gonna ask now. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. There's something about Shield. Um, God. I love Adrian Pazadar so much. I can only imagine him playing a crazy like billionaire. I'm just so happy for the people who've never seen Prophet and who've never heard him do his impersonation of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> when he does Tony Stark on the cartoons. I, I highly recommend that everybody check those out. They're worth, worth at least his checking out. His portrayal of Talbot is just like every time he's on screen, I just have this like shit eating grin on my face because he's so ridiculous and over the top, but it works. <laughs> it's... It's so good. Ugh. It does work. It cracks me up every time. He's uh, he's good. <laughs> he's, he does a good job. He does. Um, I think so. I don't know what I was going to ask you, but I want to talk about Fitz for a second, just a brief, painful second, because we're going to get more of Fitz later on, obviously, in the next throughout this whole season but for some reason i forgot how bad his brain injury was <laughs> and obviously the whole like we were talking about the whole thing with like simmons actually not being there was like a surprise to us like we had completely forgotten that she's not there um and i like kind of don't even remember what's going on with her at this point to be honest yeah i feel like she just comes back <laughs> i can't remember now but anyway, like, it just makes me – so I'm just reminded that Mac is such a, um essential part of Fitz's recovery, and I feel like that's when I really fell in love with that character. No, I, I, I think I was remembering feeling very similar as well. It's like he becomes everybody's best friend and big brother and caretaker. Like, he's a mechanic, yeah. but he fixes them. Like it's very it's very oh like God. cheesy TV metaphor, but that's true. Like 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 he he fixes him, and he fixes his relationship with Simmons when she comes back, and he you know he is something that Sky's never had before because so far you know the only person who had a, a chance to be that brother figure to her was Fitz, who had had a slight crush on her when he first got to know her, was probably segueing into that and had a massive brain injury, you know? Yeah. Like, whereas the only other person who would have come close was trying to get into her pants and a crazy super Nazi, you know? Yeah. And other than that, she's like lived in isolation. And yeah, and the only other person she was getting close to, you know, on the same level was Gemma. Like, who, they were becoming real friends and she left. So it's yeah. like- no, he provides like something that we see that she's getting in, in triplet, which is really, really nice. But mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Mac just has such a grounded way about him. He's just like, he, you know what I mean? Like he's just solidly there and he's just, um, he's very like steadfast in his, in, in his morality and also in his empathy 
And he's just, I don't know, I just really love that character. He and Coulson both have a quality that is nurturing that you don't usually mm-hmm. see in male leads who are in yeah. like positions of authority and like masculinity, especially like who are like military mm-hmm. dudes or giant super buff military dudes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I, I love that because Mac is very much like a big, like manly man who is a mechanic and he works on cars and he loves motorcycles. And yet he's like this softy with this like heart of gold type of thing and i just i love that i love that because that's like like you said that's not something that we see well and something that i can relate to on a personal level i think too like when you when you've lost something like uh i think uh pregnancy or a child like there's a void that that is there, I think, and mm-hmm. he's filling that with everyone around him. He's being yeah. the dad to everyone around him all the time, yeah. because that's just something that we learn later on. is a big spoiler for his character, but he has lost his daughter, and it's something that's very, very much informs who he is because he yeah. was it was really important to him to be a dad. And like like we see later on in the framework season, like it is like. It's, oh, it, it's, he defines himself by by his relationship to his daughter and when we know him she's been gone for years yeah. so but like he, he's moved on by being this like shield mechanic who you gotta think like he was their freaking everybody's confidant who came into his garage and everybody's yeah. care- caretaker because that's just who his character is I really appreciate like how sweet he is and nurturing and I and I totally like that's exactly what I was thinking when I had the realization that he was hallucinating. I'm like, oh, now I remember. This is how we. This is how we get to know Mac. Yeah, because it was before really Yo Yo was introduced, or while she's being introduced. It's before their relationship was coming into play at all. Mm-hmm. And so it was. Yeah, it was like primarily that. <laughs> like later on, he yeah. butt heads with people because he is so stalwart and is so actually morally upright and not not pragmatic. When, like for the most yeah. part, unless yeah. he has to be, you know. Like. Yeah, oh, I'm so excited to get to see more of him and Fitz's relationship in the next episode, couple episodes. It's, oh, super agree. Oh, like I, I just like my heart is so full right now just thinking about them. <laughs> it's gonna be really difficult though, like the stuff with him too, especially until oh, they know. get because the next couple episodes until they get to the point where he's like accepting that help from him. Yeah, like it's just hard. Like Fitz is wrecking himself constantly he's so broken so broken and he's such a sweet little guy like like he had just gotten past like and it's so oh god and then once he gets better he has to deal with the fact that like he was betrayed by this by this guy who he had looked up to so much like i'm just thinking like the only thing that got him out of like his stupid proto incel nice guy bs you know was the guy who then gave him brain damage you know, I was know. like, have the courage to really talk to her. Own up to your feelings. Be honest about it. I'm going to kill you yeah. now. It's like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. I hate him more all the time. <laughs> Ward is so evil. I know. The show just like <laughs> there's so many layers of fucked up and hurt and heartbreak. Yeah. And we find out that like he had an abusive dad. Like we didn't even know this at the time. I know, which is like makes them have a this like weird connection too of like you know Fitz and Ward. I mean, having this like yeah. weird connection no, of had, abuse. It's like you know what if, which is a great Marvel comic book tradition. But in a what if yeah. scenario, uh, you know, if he hadn't betrayed them, like he would have been the little brother who didn't reject him. 
You know? I know. He, he would have immediately would have stood by him. Like we saw how how fast he was ready to stand by him. Like, and all he had to do was turn on Garrett. He could have totally changed his life around. But he trusted someone who turned out to be a complete lunatic who literally is dead now. <laughs> like, yeah. We'll never see him again. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like. Uh, and now it's just like a free fall for that dude until he becomes a zombie for an inhuman Nazi monster. God, fuck him. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, fuck Ward every day, all the time, every episode. Yeah. And I don't really think we need to say any more than that. <laughs> so we had plenty of that well, earlier, I, but <laughs> all, of our, all of our listeners know how we feel about <laughs> God, but he's such a, like, I, I love Brett Dalton as Ward because he's just so fucking awful. <laughs> he's so good at playing this awful person. That's like trying to garner sympathy and just uses like these abusive tactics to like manipulate sky. And I'm so happy that she doesn't fall for any of it, but but oh, yeah. that's ugh. that's a great moment, like for sure. Like, no, it's it's wonderful, man. All right, um, God, there's so many other things that we could talk about, but I think we should save it. Um, yeah, oh, so many, episodes. so many things go into what's going to happen for sure. Yeah, absolutely. This was a jam packed episode for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you feel like you liked the start of this versus season one? Oh, I think so for sure. Like, I can't imagine having the same reaction. Special effects are cool when uh, you know Absorbing Man does his thing, and uh, yeah, or- <laughs> and it works. Yeah, I know it's it. It makes sense to me because I started reading comics when I was eight. Yeah, but I can totally admit, like that's that, that's what bugs me though. Like the things that people give a pass to, like everyone freaks out because for a long time uh, in recent years, the. Th- what the third mainstream Robin became known as Red Robin. Yeah. And people made fun of it. They're like, that's the name of a, of a restaurant. Or, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm like, and Green Arrow is the name of a traffic signal. <laughs> like, like, are you serious? <laughs> what makes one stupid and one not? <laughs> like this, but like these are dudes who walk around saying, I'm Batman. Like it's preposterous. Okay. If you think about it with the lens of seriousness, none of it works. Absorbing oh, man God. does sound like he's either <laughs> like he, and, he, and the way he looks in the comics, he's a giant shirtless bald dude wearing prison pants. Yeah, purple <laughs> and light purple striped pants. <laughs> it's horizontally striped. It's, oh my he god, looks, he looks insane. It's <laughs> awesome. But like, if you look at him and and his, see his name, and he looks like he's either a really bad spokesperson for like a tampon or like. <laughs> Or like the some mixture between brawny, you know, uh, lumberjack dude and Mister Clean, who got really confused. Yep. He's like, "I'm a horrible spokesperson for paper towels. Why couldn't they give me a shirt? Like, it's like <laughs> all it would take was a shirt, and it wouldn't be so bad. But it's really oh weird. My this ball dude. Uh, but uh. the absorbing man, yeah, no, that stuff looked cool. It was a good setup. Like, like you said, they handled a lot of stuff and a lot of characters really quickly and well that little tease that we didn't even remember was a tease we just appreciated it as a cameo of the yeah. commandos and peggy carter who's like hey cool like that was great and, it, and the special effects again were really good it's set up like even just that one scene set up so much not only for the agent carter show but also for like this entire season <laughs> like so so much was set up in that or that beginning scene that was quick and efficient i feel like this episode was very efficient in the information that we got it was good 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 storytelling yeah, I agree. and i 
I appreciate that kind of uh, storytelling that, that, uh, it, I don't know. I think it takes a lot of skill yeah. to be done and not feel rushed, you know? Yeah. Like every, they, every scene really, really in this was very important. You know what I mean? Like something, I, I can't even th- recall a scene that like didn't have some importance either to the plot of this um, story of this episode or of something for the future. Um, so yeah, very, very well done. Very happy. I know that season two is, and I mean, more towards the end of season two is when more people started hearing, oh my God, this show is so great. Um, so definitely feeling a difference. And I think we'll, we'll feel a difference in how the episodes are set up in the next, uh, the next couple ones too, because they will, they're vastly different from the first few episodes of season one. <laughs> oh, they are. And uh, V Diamond, the guy who plays Daniel Whitehall yeah. and Werner, uh, was it Reinhardt yeah. on the show? Uh, I I really liked him in. Oh, he, oh, he was also I forgot he uh, he was in the Whedon show uh, Dollhouse. Oh, before I think it's part of why he's yeah. on that. But uh, the, uh, there was a show for one season called Journeyman that's really good. Uh, starring a dude who ended up on. Uh, Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. and who was on um, Rome. He was one of the leads in Rome. Oh, Kevin McKidd, okay. the British dude or Scottish dude. He's really good. Uh, I recommend Journeyman where he was like the second lead in that. And uh, <laughs> I enjoy the show Franklin and Bash because I grew up, uh, what do you call it? With with uh, Mark Paul Gosselaar and uh, the other guy. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. <laughs> Oh, it's an awful show. Uh, it's a procedural comedy lawyer show about douchebag lawyers. Yep, definitely not <laughs> but, my speed. <laughs> uh, no, no. But it's starring Mark Paul Gossler and Brecken Meyer. They, and they basically are playing the characters that they popularized in the 90s of Zach Morris from Saved oh by the Bell God. and the stoner, the stoner kid from Clueless, oh my which God. is what Brecken Meyer was. <laughs> Only they've grown up and they're lawyers and they're idiots. But it's where like it's it was like Kumail Nanjiani's like second big speaking role, which he did like mm-hmm. before uh what do you call it? Um Silicon Valley, where he kind of became more well known. And but the best part is Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> he, he's their boss oh and the uncle of uh, Reed Diamond of 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 uh Reinhardt. Wow. <laughs> and he's in about every episode and like I love Malcolm McDowell. I've always loved him since <laughs> I was a kid. I don't know what it is about that guy. I, yeah, I never want to see um, Clockwork Orange nope. again. But he's really good. It's a good movie, but not nope. like I got to rewatch nope. it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. On that note, I think that is all we have. Uh, an hour and a half later, that is all we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> when I cut out all the ums and ahs, it'll be 45 minutes watch. Thank you guys for listening to Project Tahiti. It is a magical place. Oh, wait. Where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> oh, um, I, I snow nothing. No spaces, no G at the end. But like and I snow you can find nothing. me um, at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find the pod at Project Tahiti. You can send us an email at Project Tahiti Pod. Uh, at gmail.com which we've gotten some great emails lately thank you so much to Aaron um, who sent us a lovely email um, 
and for supporting the show always. <laughs> we I always feel bad when we get an episode up late. I'm like, oh man, Aaron's waiting for us to drop this episode today. He's going to be so upset. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, feel free to DM us, email us, anything you want to hear, anything you want us to talk about. We're, we're always down uh, for suggestions. But yeah, thanks guys. We'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you.